Welcome to Podcast with Cooper Cherry. Andrew Stamper has returned. We are uh, complete, are continuing our best films series, and uh, Andrew decided to choose Kiss Kiss Bang Bang to uh, coincide with the holiday season and probably lighten things up <laughs> yeah. a little bit after the last uh, couple of films we've done have been pretty intense. Yeah, I thought a, I thought a comedy was in order. Right. So, um, yeah, this is the first time I had ever seen this movie. Okay. Um, I got to say, I, I was, I don't know how to feel about it. I don't okay. know if I quite liked it mm-hmm. as much as I, as I, you know what I mean? Sure. I don't have a whole lot of enthusiastic things to say about this film. Um, but I do like Shane Black, I think, overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we should really maybe delve in, should we delve into him first? Or do you want to maybe give a synopsis of the actual film itself i think we can or talk about maybe give a little bit of background on kind of i think we can talk about the film first and then talk obviously about shane black and one of the things i love about this movie is really the resurgence of uh careers that this movie kind of like kick-started yeah um and we'll kind of tackle that in a second but uh essentially this film is about a new york city burglar and who happens to get himself accidentally cast uh in a potential role to be in this kind of crime film. So he gets invited to fly out to California and be, you know, to be seen at a party. And it's really at this party where the, the film is kind of put in motion where he meets, uh, you know, different people at this party. That's going to get the kind of kickstart this whole adventure. It's very similar to a lot of, um, it's a satire on a lot of like Neo, like film noir, um, and the idea of like the private eye and, um, but he's invited to this party where he meets this, uh, runs into this girl who was like his his high school crush, who she left town and meets a private eye and a couple other people that really get the movie going. But really what happens is while he is on a stakeout with a private eye, they, they witness a murder. And as a result of that murder, they themselves are pursued and attempted to be framed for that murder whilst um he's had the the run-in with a girl that he went to high school with he's now led her to believe that he is a private eye meanwhile her sister had recently disappeared slash turned out to be dead she hires him to take on the case and it's all juxtaposed with it with this uh these classic film series uh these johnny gossamer novels where in in these stories there's usually two cases that are kind of running parallel in these stories. And in the end, they go ahead and uh, the, 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 in the climax, everything will kind of intertwine. And that's literally what happens in this movie. And yeah, so um, that's without giving anything too away. It, it, it messes with some, uh, with some timelines and you have one of the, the best slash worst narrators in film history, which makes it really, really fun for me where you have a narrator that isn't a reliable source who gets his facts change, who, who leaves out important information, puts it in later. Uh, but it's also very, very self-aware of the fact that he's not good at this. And that's one of the things that also makes for me, makes the movie very enjoyable because it, it, it takes the idea of these, of these, these classic crime movies where we're, where we're taken through these adventures and, and our sources are, you know, it, it's like the anti Chinatown is essentially right, what yeah, this movie okay. is. Yeah, and 
it, it, it takes all those tropes and completely flips him upside down and is very, very self-aware of it at the time. And it's one of the things I find just extremely beautiful that and you have Shane Black's uh, just insane writing ability where each each bit of dialogue is is just poetry in motion. And uh, it was a very, very welcome back to a Hollywood moment for Shane Black. I think if I had seen this movie upon initial release, I would have liked it better. But after having seen, I think, because um, it was the nice guys that he also did, right? With uh, mm-hmm. Russell Crowe and uh, what's his face? Uh, Ryan Gosling. Yeah. I kind of enjoyed that a little bit more, just in f- felt like a little bit more of ma- like taking some of the elements that he kind of crafted here and maybe in a more polished sense or executing them better or something like that. See, I think of. See, I think of this versus the nice guys the same way that I would liken um, Lock, Stock, Two Smoking Barrels versus Snatch for, for Guy Ritchie. Okay. Yeah. I prefer Lock, Stock to Snatch, yet Snatch is the one that people talk a little bit more, like we'll quote more, but everything that Guy Ritchie, really, in, in this in this framework, I, I, I kind of use those as a parallel. So. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good uh, example, mm-hmm. actually. Um, but a little bit a bit about Shane Black himself, uh, kind of broke into the biz with Lethal Weapon, mm-hmm. but also did Last Boy Scout or wrote Last Boy Scout, Last Action Hero, Iron Man Three, um, The Predator recently, and then I'm sure that I'm actually missing a few. Long Kiss Goodnight. Okay. Um, and do you say uh, the Last Boy Scout? Did you say that? Yeah. One? Okay. Yeah. And then he also uh, he did. Uh, one of my favorite 80s movies, completely unrelated to any of this, but he also did The Monster Squad, um, which if you've ever seen that, that's just a, it's like a, a would-be uh, Goonies type thing. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, so this is a Christmas movie. One of the things that uh, Shane Black has also liked to do in the past is write Christmas films, like Lethal Weapon was a Christmas movie. Last Boy Scout was a Christmas movie. This is a Christmas movie. <laughs> um and yeah, the um, the Samuel L. Jackson, Gina Davis uh, movie um, that he did. Oh yeah, Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, that was a Christmas movie, and that was like the last thing that he did before this. Like he had that that hiatus, uh, which maybe we'll be talking about. Something I think that's pretty interesting about him too is the number of kind of bit parts he's played in a number of films, including yeah. Predator. And uh, let's see what else he was actually looked this up. He was in. Robocop 3, which I haven't seen, but I thought that was pretty amusing. That is funny. I have given that I've our, never, yeah, I never saw Robocop one 3. Of our <laughs> reasons, yeah, I haven't either. I heard it's pretty terrible, um, but I thought that was interesting. In terms of budget, $15 million, so mm-hmm. not a huge, huge budget. Um, you have to think that so much of that was dedicated to the cast because we do have a pretty solid cast of Dude, pretty the, fairly the, well-known actors. The cast is awesome. And, I mean, it's awesome in where we know of it now. But, again, Robert Downey Jr., he had no career. Like, this was, after, this was like Robert Downey Jr. 4.0. This was, like, after, like, his third or fourth, like, arrest. And it was his then-girlfriend that I think has really kind of, like, kick-started his career into what we know of Robert Downey Jr. now. Um, Susan Levine, I believe. And she was like one of like the producers or whatnot that, you know, got him uh, the opportunity to audition for the role, which he then got and kind of led into him getting 
Iron Man, which he was also involved with, like the uh, producing of that film, I believe. But yeah, I mean, so a lot of the budget did go to the cast, but uh, I think, you know, when you have Robert Downey Jr., who he was doing small roles in, in other kind of smaller films and Val Kilmer had himself had had kind of an up and down career at that point too, but a tasty cast. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Val Kilmer for me, it was just, was, was there, I guess there are two, there are two types of people, those who love Val Kilmer and those who <laughs> hate Val Kilmer. I'm in the, I love, Val I, Kilmer. I absolutely love Val Kilmer. Yeah. I mean, from real genius. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Knight. Absolutely. <laughs> Onward. Yeah. Uh, Jim Moore as Jim Morrison yeah. in the doors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and this is one of the things that I, what I really enjoyed was getting to see him act in a comedy again. You know, it wasn't kind of like Island of Dr. Moreau. It, um, it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, like the ghost in the darkness. I mean, you were seeing, it wasn't him in heat. It, it was a different type of, of character where he plays a gay private eye and um, very self-aware, but also just really great with, uh, with quips and, yeah, so I mean, this was Val Kilmer in in vintage form. But yeah, the, um, I, this the for me the um, the overall kind of pacing and like the the stakes were high, but I was I was kind of like thrown out. I feel like I should have watched this one more time to kind of get the feel for it because like yeah. the dialogue was just coming off like grr, 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 yeah. so fast and like so many quips i was like what whoa and i kind of lost had a little bit trouble of trouble actually kind of keeping track of the plot and what exactly was yeah. going on yeah like i didn't it was weird it felt like there was a jump whenever they are all of a sudden they go from the party to the stakeout whenever the guys are pushing the car into the pond with the dead girl in the back yeah yeah i was like what <laughs> hold yeah. on i feel like i'm missing a bit of information here so and um i don't know maybe i don't know um the pacing never really ever got to me maybe i i got i was on board for the ride you know um right away um so i never really ever noticed that there was a pacing i mean it was issue. fast it was yeah it, I mean, that it definitely didn't drag, but it was just like almost, whoa, like, can we let this breathe a little Mm -hmm, bit mm -hmm. from time to time? Yeah. And the characters were all talking so fast and spitting out so many like clever little twists of dialogue too. I was like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're getting like, uh, it was, it was kind of like Shane Black in like Aaron Sorkin mode, like very, very fast dialogue. Um, but watch it another couple times because there's nothing but just, just gems just thrown like one character after another. everything, everything in this movie. This is what, if, if you like, if you like good writing and, and things that are just really witty and really clever, uh, but also, uh, also really intelligent because Shane Black is for me is like absolutely on his game in, in, in this genre type piece where he, he knows the rules of, of, of these type of films and it's just completely playing with everything that these other movies have done. I mean, just the idea of the private eye, you know, like instead of being a womanizer, he's he's gay or the unreliable narrator or, you know, the how many femme fatales, uh, you know, like, <laughs> right. um, like actually, you know, like just just the amount of you know chicks that die in this movie and other things that are just going on. I mean, uh, just just all these little things that he's doing with it. If you. um, Yeah. 
give another opportunity. I think uh, I think you will be pleasantly surprised. Let's uh, if we may go through the cast, unless you had any kind of other oh, no, like no. introductory content you wanted to. No, on. no, no. So Robert uh, Robert Downey Jr. We've already discussed, but I thought, oh man, he was totally doing his Tony Stark thing in this movie so hard. I thought. See, I mean, I look at it as Tony Stark is trying to be, you know, Harry Lockhart. <laughs> right. I mean, I guess it all it, it's all a matter of perspective. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, he did this one first. <laughs> um, Val Kilmer, we've already discussed, I think, an, a personal all-time favorite for me. Notoriously difficult to work with. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to listen to the um, director's commentary, but I have heard that it's basically... Um, Robert Downey Jr. and Shane Black kind of shitting on Val Kilmer the whole time, <laughs> which I'll have to go back and, and pick up. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if you, you mentioned the island of Dr. Moreau. Yeah. Like, supposedly that was like a fucking nightmare Yeah, set it, it was like with famously like horrific, you know, as far as like a... Kilmer and yeah. um, Marlon Brando Marlon just Brando, like being yeah. total, totally impossible to work with. I can't even imagine trying to be the filmmaker, like trying to handle Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer. And obviously, you know, put those two actors in the same sentence is a weird thing, but two extremely challenging people to work with from everything that I've ever heard. Definitely, especially like, you know, because I think even 70s era working on uh, Apocalypse Now, Mm -hmm. Brando was already like showing up, not knowing any lines. Yeah, I can't imagine at that point. But then... uh, We've got also Michelle Monaghan, I think, looking Michelle Monadam. Yeah, yeah, Ooh, yeah. She is absolutely stunning in this movie, and I thought did a really great job. Yeah, great performance I, from her. I loved Michelle Monaghan. This was the first thing I'd ever seen her in. I knew she had probably been in a few things prior to it, and obviously she's been a lot of things since, but uh, for me... This is the 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 best that I've seen her in. I just I, I I love her. I love Harmony. I love the character Harmony. I think she's just such a great uh, character in this. Listeners would probably maybe um, I don't know. Maybe I'm going on a limb, but so she was Marty's wife in True Detective season one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she plays a wife a lot. She also was uh, Ethan Hunt's wife in the. The Mission Impossible series, so she's played in uh, like Mission Impossible three and four, and then she was recently in the most recent Mission Impossible two. We've got a Corbin Burnson. Yeah, yeah, loved Corbin. Uh, I you know um, it was great, especially later on they show kind of like a clip of him like from his acting, and it looks like they're straight up ripping off like uh like what was he on L A Law? L A Law, yeah, oh, that's kind of what it reminded me of. Yeah, it was like the same hairstyle that he had on L A Law. Your boy Dash is in this. I know Dash Mihawk again, mm-hmm. doing a little bit bit part here. Um, who else? Larry Miller, yeah, the comedian, yeah, who I think is is great. Larry Miller is. <laughs> um, I don't know if anything that he ever says is scripted. I, I just feel like, all right, <laughs> this is this is the idea of what we're going to do. And Larry Miller, you just go ahead and be Larry Miller, right? Larry Miller is like everyone's wise ass uncle, like yeah, but. Mm-hmm. Like just on another level, yeah, um, <laughs> just great. There, I don't know if you if you saw this in your notes or anything, but um, there's another another actor or actress um, uh, who plays uh, the young Harmony. Do you know who that is? Like, so she's like at the beginning uh, when he's like saw, when the 
like Harold the 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 magnificent or whatever his name was, he was sawing a little girl yeah. in half. That little girl is on Modern Family now. That's oh, okay. uh, Ariel Winter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, also, we have Shannon Sassamon. Yeah. Yeah. Where I, is she now? Uh, she hasn't been anything that yeah. I know of in a, yeah. in a quite a while. I know she's probably doing something, but yeah, like I just uh, like there was a time where she was everywhere. Yeah, she did and like then, forty days and forty nights, and yeah. then um, God, what was that other? It was the uh, Brett Easton Ellis novel. Yeah, like the Rules, Rules of Attraction. Attraction. Yes, um, that's like the last thing I remember. Yeah, from her. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah. Strange. Anything else uh, you want to call out acting wise? Maybe uh, some chops, some scenes that kind of. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything. Um, I really wish I could see. I don't know. Again, I don't know if the dialogue, if you were able to catch it, but when they were in like that, uh, that little Hollywood bar, uh, the, the Native American Joe Pesci. Uh, that uh, that look alike, and then there was like the the Cuban uh, Steven Seagal look alike. Um, so just a couple of extras that they were able to find these these characters that were like on point uh, <laughs> representations of the of these actors. I thought that was pretty funny, but they didn't have it. They were just extras. But I want to talk a little bit about. Uh, let's see. Let's can we do maybe some editing? Because I thought there yes. were some interesting uh, editing choices. First, maybe being well, maybe this is cinematography. Actually, I'll, I'll wait that. But uh, I definitely like the had some sort of self. It was very self aware. I mm-hmm. think not only in the writing, but the editing, and being very meta. And some of the, sometimes the frames would show as if this was like being projected, like you're watching in the cinema or yeah. what have you. Mm-hmm. And so they would like uh, Rodney, uh, Robert Downey Jr. would be narrating and the kind of film would stop yeah. kind of in between and you'd see the little film break yep. there mm-hmm. that they used. They also did, um, I guess, some, some of the sort of like chalk circles and stuff on yeah. some of the frames that was sort of interesting. Um, yeah, um, so I thought that was kind of a, I don't know. At the time, like I said, it's it's hard to like go back and appreciate this. Maybe this was like a little bit more interesting at the time that it came out mm-hmm. and kind of break doing something more meta as far as, you know what I mean? You don't really see that. I'm trying to think the only other film that I think plays similarly is fight club a little bit. Cause they do have that same kind of where the film itself sort of dissolves and yeah. elements of our yeah, scenes yeah, yeah. within fight club. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, within, with the, I mean, it, it, it kind of falls into the everything that they were kind of doing where Robert Downey Jr., the narrator, is literally talking to, like, as if he he knows that it is a movie and it's it's not even Harry Lockhart. It's Robert Downey Jr. kind of talking to us and um, just kind of, like, disrupting the the flow of the film. Um, so they do a couple things like that. So that that's, that's something I enjoy. But there are just other little quick, like, cuts and things that they do that I think the editing was really neat just as a whole on the movie. Listen, this movie for, for those that haven't seen it, I mean, this isn't groundbreaking cinema. Uh, this is just something that is just a, it's a fun, it's a fun popcorn, uh, kind of movie with really, really great dialogue, but very, very well respected. I think, I think, uh, you know, like when it came out, like huge, huge, uh, praise and, um, it was nominated for, you know, some from like writing awards and, and, and what have you. And, Unfortunately for you guys, you're, you're, you know, you're listening to a podcast where that, that's, that's my, uh, 
my, my <laughs> bread and butter. I, I, I enjoy a movie that's like, that is very much like writing, like written, you know, is uh, writing driven. And so there's just kind of like little fun things that they did with this movie. That's a good segue, I think, into the actual writing, which, like we had mentioned earlier, this was not only directed by, but also written by Shane Black, based on a book by Brett Halliday. It's something like Where the Bodies Are. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, like loosely based on a previous text. As you kind of, as you obviously mentioned, the uh, film noir, sort of the tropes of mm-hmm. that genre. And I think you really, I think the calling this the sort of parody version of uh, Chinatown. Yeah. Especially with sort of that incest theme too, mm-hmm. definitely uh, resonates pretty well. I think you captured that pretty solidly. But I don't know, kind of like a neo-noir romantic comedy action weird like genre mashup between yeah. kind of romance, comedy, mm-hmm. action. Um, but I, I don't know, for me, just like shoving too much, like I was so confused at what tone there was because this like people were getting killed left and right and there was quips going on and it was just like, whoa, what? Mm-hmm. Like, whoa, I just feel like I needed a moment to kind of like whoa, let me, what, what world is this? But it was like the foot was on the gas the whole time with the writing. So, Mm -hmm. um, I did enjoy the meta aspect too in, of the writing though, um, incorporating the Johnny Gossamer fictional author and how that sort of tied into the plot ultimately of the film, Mm -hmm. but sort of that them sort of ripping off, well, not ripping off, but I know mimicking the like you had said earlier in the Johnny Gossamer novels, the fictional author writes these kind of crime thriller stories that have two separate cases that sort of intertwine. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was a cool little meta idea to incorporate that in the plot and then not only incorporate it directly in the plot, but have Robert Downey Jr. even mention aspects of that yeah. during the film. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something I, I loved. Um, I want to mention some be- before I forget, but they uh, they even had a couple little little like nods, uh, kind of like little winks to uh, a movie that we talked about last time. But instead of RoboCop, it was Protocop. <laughs> right. Uh, so they they had a little little fun with that too. I wonder if that was because he had been in RoboCop three. Like what? You know what I mean? I it very. I feel like RoboCop was. three had to have coming out come out before this i mean i don't know when i would almost guarantee i don't know when that came out but this this was 2005 right so i imagine it had to yeah so uh shane black just having fun with with all of hollywood as a whole i think with this with this movie anyway i definitely remember the quote from uh, perry or kilmer where he's like this is not a movie or a book (laughs) explaining that to the character uh harold so Mm -hmm. um Again, that sort of uh, that meta commentary. I also thought something interesting too was the symmetry, like the relationship between Harry and Harmony, and Harmony having slept with his best friend, and like when we first meet, like he he actually slept with her best friend as well. I thought that was kind of funny, little coincidence. It's hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's sort of all I had as far as, far as writing goes. A- any other kind of standout scenes or quotes or anything I mean, on your end? I mean, how much time do you have? I mean, like I can literally, <laughs> got, yeah. Just go at the, it, man. Every, every bit of dialogue is just so, so great. Um, 
uh, God, like, what was the the line? He's like, um, I'm going to butcher it, but uh, in fact, I'm just going to go ahead and pull it up. Uh, but it was something about like, uh, where he was talking about what is about like California. Like, it's like somebody held uh, the United oh, States the on the East its, Coast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that great, great lines of just like making fun of LA as a whole was really good. Dude, I mean, just pulling up the screenplay, each page, there's like four or five really good jokes on it. And just the banter between Robert Downey Jr. and and Val Kilmer is just, it, it's just gold. Um, I, I, I don't even know how much time I would have to just go ahead and just, I, I just read the entire movie. <laughs> right. So yeah, for dialogue, everything in this movie is, is great. I love where they go ahead and... and they they're discussing like English, so like bad versus badly and adverbs. Oh, yeah, adverbs, yeah, that was definitely yeah. Uh, <laughs> a a writer's then, joke there for sure. And then the the Russian roulette thing. Where, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's like, well, there's you know a twelve percent chance. He's like, what do you mean twelve? And he's like, he's like, who taught you math? <laughs> uh, and then he's trying to do it again. You know, still trying. To, he's like, quit doing math. Um, that was great. Um, yeah, just everything, everything. Oh, a little me- meta commentary on the business of Hollywood too, because they were he w- Val Kilmer's explain or Perry's explaining mm. to him why he even got brought out was they were trying it was like a just a move to uh, get Colin Farrell to lower his uh, his uh, I guess the, what he wanted to get paid for the movie that the fictional movie that yep. they were doing. So. Yep. Um, if you looked up uh, "idiot" in the dictionary, you know what you would find. And he's like, a picture of me? He's like, no, uh, the definition of the word idiot, which you fucking are. <laughs> yeah, that was a good, a good memorable one for sure. It was funny you mentioned that, though, that, uh, that Russian roulette, because I'm trying to think, remember in, uh, I believe it was Starsky and Hutch, you have Ben Stiller. He's like, does the Russian roulette with the bullet like falls back in? Like, act, like he takes oh, the bullet out. So yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. that was a pretty funny. Yeah kind of reversal of that yeah of that scene um another bit that i loved in the movie was when harmony accidentally chops his finger off um and uh so he has his finger on ice and he gets in this house and uh a couple more people die and this dog randomly shows up and and eats the finger and he's like well you know i have to i have to you know i, I can't leave my finger here and then the dog just straight up eats it. And he's like, well, you know, I guess it solves that problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it, 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 it's just funny. And it just, it's just, it's just gold. It is. Yeah. I, I love this movie. Any last writing points you want to make? Uh, Shane Black is a genius because yeah, just the, just the, the the pace of the humor. I uh, personally, I, I I dig it. I like I like the the turning of a, a some something very much like Chinatown into kind of a comedy. Um, the stakes are still very very high, and I like uh, film noirs, and I, I I like the just the the just the flipping of of that genre into what he, what he's did with this and what he's also obviously done with the nice guys, uh, just similar concept, but, um, I love it. I, I, I think Shane Black is brilliant, but then again, 
I mean, he he's had me since Lethal Weapon. I love the original Lethal Weapon in this movie. Um, I saw a lot of similarities and parallels between this with just like the buddy-buddy. And that's yeah. just it. He loves a good buddy-buddy story. On to a little bit about the cinematography. Um, so this film was DP'd by Michael Barrett. Um, and what man, I think one of the things, and I kind of thought maybe this is something that appealed to you about this film was really well done was the opening title Dude, sequence. The title sequence is so great. Totally a Saul Bass, like yeah. Hitchcockian yep. style. Yep. And I didn't have a chance to research who actually did the title sequence. Now I'm kind of curious, mm-hmm. but definitely reminiscent. Yeah. It's such a great title sequence and the music I, I, I love and that the, the, um, which we'll probably talk about the, um, who did the score here in a minute, but yeah, just, yeah, the, the title sequence is gold. Just such a great, great opening. So I'm trying to think, how could we describe that to the, to the audience, the listeners? I mean, if you haven't seen any Hitchcock's movie, Hitchcock's movies, it'd be difficult, I think to, so it's like an animated sort of minimalistic, I don't know. Catch me if you can. Does something similar? Yeah, yeah, think, yeah, yeah. Right? It's like kind of like Catch Me If You Can as well. Yeah, yeah. Or even maybe one of the Bond movie. Sometimes the Bond. Sometimes like yeah, animations I mean, yeah. Some, mm-hmm. So sort of that style, kind of like a like Casino Royale a little bit. Yeah. I thought, um, in terms of the color of this film, there was a lot of blue in it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of shadow. Um, definitely, I think, playing on that film noir-esque mm-hmm. thing there. Um, especially, though, the the um, the party scene. The, yeah. The, at the pool party. Yeah. Which, it actually reminds me of Mulholland Drive, that party scene, for some reason. Okay. I don't know if it's just the L.A. scenery or the same kind of similar vibe. Like, there's a similar theme, too, because... In Mulholland Drive, you have like what's his name? Uh, Justin Thoreau is the is the director of the film. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like a Hollywood party. Maybe that's what it is, but I don't know. I felt like it was reminiscent of that. It really reminded me of that for some reason, which I think it come out in like two thousand one, two thousand two. So definitely predated this movie. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there was any inspiration there. Um, but yeah. I d- Overall, like the look of it was, I don't know, it was a little, looked weird to me. I wondered, like, this is probably too early to have been shot on digital, maybe, or I don't know, 2005. It's probably shot on film. Yeah, probably. But I don't know, it looked weird. I don't know, there was some, it's I don't know if they did some like color grading or me. something. It's amusing to me that something that's only like 13 years old now looks <laughs> right. archaic to you well no i don't think it looks archaic it just looks i don't know there's something weird about the look of the film and i don't know if that was just due to the budget or whatever the case may be but i don't know there was something like it was like they tweaked the coloring or something sure in a lot of the scenes or did something that i don't know, just looked different to me okay that's hard to put my finger on i'd have to go I back know. And i mean watch. for me it, it feels everything always seems kind of dark in the movie um but i always thought that was just kind of an intentional yeah take on the idea of it being kind of like a you know like a noir but then you do have some bright sort of la daytime scenes but not a whole lot no they're kind of in here and there Mm -hmm. but yeah does the it feels like maybe the majority of the action sort takes place at night yep yep 
the the I mean the big climax uh, scene is filmed at night and like uh, at that park there, and then yeah, everything really everything important happens at night. Whether they were like the the bit in New York or the party, um, like the daytime shots were pretty simple, like external at like the at the hotels. Um, yeah, most of this movie was filmed at night. Any other visual or cinematography uh, flares or standouts for you? I visually, I mean, I think it also goes back to editing. Is well that the climax scene where like Harry is hanging off the sign and he's trying to grab the gun, <laughs> uh, and then when he gets the gun, the shot. I, I just one of my favorite things about movies in general is just how everybody's in like an amazing shot. Right? Yeah, I just, I, I just love that. I don't usually think about that kind of stuff because I, you know what I mean? It's like, I find that to be a little nitpicky sometimes, but mm. yeah, I definitely was like having, that's just been built up in my head so much now that I definitely had that thought. I was like, this guy's like killed so many people. Yeah. <laughs> just a random dude. Is just, just a like, random, like first shot. Boom. Yeah. Like this low level, <laughs> like cat burglar dude, you know, like that's, <laughs> these, uh, that's just the funny thing. Like, I mean, he, he killed four people in this movie, I think. Um, but you see where he goes from um, the dude that kills um, uh, the ringer. And then he kills... Yeah, I think he kills like four people in this movie. And it's really no big deal. You know, he has no finger and, you know. <laughs> that doesn't hurt. Yeah. It's not going to bother your aim at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have... There's a few miscellaneous points that I, if you don't mind, no, let's hear. Indul- indulge me here. So uh, one thing I thought that was kind of interesting was that Harry was staying at the Standard Hotel in L.A., which is a pretty pretty amazing hotel. Um, now I've not been to that one, but I have been to the one in New York, which is also a really cool, mm-hmm. modern, amazing hotel. Definitely recommend checking it out. It's in Meatpacking in New York City. If you ever go on oh, a cool. visit, man, check it out. Um, I thought the Christmas party that they go to that, um, what's her name is working at Well, harmony. So she's working at the Christmas party. The Christmas party has these giant, I guess, plastic see-through boxes that people are dancing Mm, and mm -hmm. doing all kinds of crazy stuff in. Uh, I thought that was cool. Interesting little, uh, (laughs) little visual treat there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also thought it was funny to see some of the retro, like early 2000s cell phones. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. um, I think feel like somebody had a flip phone. Oh, there definitely. For a second. There was definitely a flip phone. And I swear to God that Robert Downey Jr. in one of the scenes had this little Mo- Motorola phone. I had the exact same phone. <laughs> I saw a Nokia in there. So I don't know. That was kind of funny mm-hmm. uh, to see those, you know, just random. Um, another random kind of funny note for me was. I guess at the psychiatric hospital, the lady that they approach and ask her to like show her under her uh, robe or whatever. Right. So it was the same actress that had played the landlord in No Country for Old Men. Oh shit! That so it was is, like yeah. whenever. Yeah. Um, what's her, what's his name? Sugar. Sugar. Like she's like, I can't give you no information. That was yeah. The same lady. Thought that was fucking hilarious. I was like, holy yeah, shit, that's her. That is her, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was around similar time, right? I mean, No Country came out, what, 2007? Yeah. So, yeah, just a couple years later. But yeah, that's uh, 
that's all I've got, man. Um, I don't know what to say about this one. Dude, for me, this movie, it, everything comes down to the writing and the acting. And you get to see people that kind of, and that's, that's I guess, maybe even like kind of like goes into the, not irony, but yeah, I guess something that's very, very fitting about this movie where you've got some people that feel in this movie are kind of like disenfranchised. And then this movie is in a different in their in their own in their own morbid sort of way, and um, and you've got some people that have obviously very very down on their luck and had been through a lot of bad shit um, in their past where they where they are now, and then you go ahead and put in the context of you had a writer that was essentially blacklisted by Hollywood for for a better part of a decade, um, you had an actor who had amazing promise younger and you know uh burnt out came back burnt out came back burnt out and and then before this movie he was just getting smaller roles i think he he, he had a relatively decent sized uh role in a crappy movie called gothica with uh with Halle Berry and and then this movie comes around and it essentially has relaunched his entire career and Shane Black this movie relaunched his his career um there was a minute after this where val kilmer was getting roles again um which was kind of which was kind of neat so this movie where we we take you know um robert downey jr and val kilmer and shane black where this this was kind of like a just a a jump start into their careers which i always, always thought was kind of cool and i love that effect that it also takes place in christmas and that it's another LA and Christmas movie for Shane Black. And yeah. I have a random question about the the ending of this movie. Maybe you can help clear this up. So I was a little bit thrown by maybe this is a part of the unreliable narrator portion of this, but or something going on with we see the beer commercial that supposedly mm, right. Harmony had gotten the role in, but whenever we see it, I guess at the end of the film. Is this this kind of post? There's kind of like a video scene, maybe at the end. Is that I'm trying a to video think. scene? Well, there was like so at the end you have um, Robert Downey Jr. sort of narrating, and then Val Kilmer comes along, and then right. we is that when we see this commercial? That might so I feel like it's well, kind of towards the end, maybe well, in that scene. We see the we see the commercial twice. So the commercial in question that you're referring to um, when Harmony is telling. Uh, Harry Harry Lockhart about her career that she did do a commercial uh, and she kind of explains it for like Gennaro's or whatever it was called and she kind of explains like that she does this little wave later on in the movie we see the commercial and in harmonies in the commercial and then at the end of the movie I think I think he was in the hospital maybe um, maybe that's it yeah we we see the commercial again and this time it's a different actress playing that role which if I'm not mistaken is that actress she had it was a blonde actress that she had pointed out in the at the beginning of the movie uh, i believe yes i believe she's like sorry you, you just missed it or, or like she's 34 or something like that and right and she was like 35. that that actress is 35 she's like yeah. oh i'm 34 i'm still yeah what did she say i'm still fresh or young yeah or i'm a baby or something yeah, yeah exactly which i thought was kind of funny mm-hmm. um something else uh that i also enjoyed again just kind of playing with the unreliable narrator is he's in the hospital and you think that maybe he had died or something, but no, he he's alive. And Oh, 
uh, somebody else that we thought had was dead was Val Kilmer, and you no, know, he shows up, and he's like, he's like, yeah, it's 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 like Hollywood and bullshit, you know, like the people that you think are dead, and they they're you know, and he's like, no, it just it happens. But meanwhile, while he's talking about how crazy and un how ridiculous it is that Val Kilmer and him are still alive, in walks other people that had been killed in the movie, and they're like, oh hey, what's up? And then like Abraham Lincoln shows up there, and the, <laughs> and it, it's just a fun, you know, just another little like tongue in cheek, just them having taking liberties with, you know, um, with what's actually happened and just another little funny moment. So, I don't know. It's sometimes for me, it was going like, it was a little bit trying, try hard on some of that stuff. Like I got it, but it was kind of like, eh, I don't know. This is, I don't know. I just wasn't, I wasn't into this one too much. I don't think it's, I'm not like going to like shit on this movie. I don't think it's bad or anything. I just was like, eh, I'd rather I'd rather check out the the nice guys. I think I think did sort of the same. I think the chemistry was better with uh, with uh, Gosling and Crow, and it was a little bit more polished and like mature. In this movie this movie seemed a little bit immature in in a way. I mean, they are different movies yeah. entirely. Um, but, but I mean, you still have that sort of buddy cop. There's a little. There's like a good like back and forth. There's some comedy. There's some action. There's some drama. It's a very similar in terms of like the overall plot. Like there's sort of that femme fatale aspect or like that private eye sort of. And maybe maybe some of that can also be the fact that you saw the other one first. Yeah, right. And that's where I, I think I also use yeah. uh, Lockstock and, and Snatch because I saw Lockstock first and I think that is a far more superior movie. And yet if I talk to just about anybody, they'll say, oh, Snatch. Um, and I think it's the same thing if you yeah. saw this movie first. Right you might have a different take because you were, it almost seems like you're comparing it to a movie that came well a decade after. Right. Um, but the, but maybe there, you know, there's some truth in that. I mean, the movie wasn't a huge success. It was a major like critical success. Uh, kiss, kiss, bang, bang anyway. Um, but the movie didn't make a, a shit ton, uh, of money in the box office. I didn't see it in the theater. I didn't see it until. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just saw it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, I saw it like I had heard like I think I had like seen a preview, but I mean, it didn't come to wherever the heck I was living at the time. And so I saw it like like on DVD or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, uh, I just laughed the entire time. It was just a, yeah, yeah. for me. Um, I like I said, I, I'm a I'm a I'm a sucker for good writing and this movie has it in spades. It just it, it, it's it's just such a smart film. And um. In, in the way that it's crafted and if you ever get the opportunity to read like read the page it, it just it looks pretty on on the page too it's just it it it's yeah there's just uh there's just so much to unpack that it's probably tough to unpack the the the, the pacing of just like the the it's almost kind of like a gilmore girls episode and just like how fast the dialogue is coming at you definitely now, have you seen? So he also did the Predator. Have you seen that yet? Shane I've Black? seen. I've seen Predator. I haven't seen the Predator. I've heard that. So I've heard it's kind of a schlocky movie a little bit, but still like has some fun. Yeah, elements too. Yeah. No, I haven't some, seen. Probably one that I'll wait until it comes on. You know, HBO or right. the premium channels. 
but I was just kind of curious because the Predator, the original, still I think my favorite action movie of all time. Yeah. Did he have? And I I didn't check. Did he have any involvement with that? The yeah, the original Predator. Oh, the just uh, not other than I think just being cast. I think he was Hawkins, right? Killed early on. Yeah, tells the pretty bad joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the helicopter ride. But yeah, so. Because I mean, even with because he's done the the Iron Man series too, right? I think he just Iron Man three, just Iron Man three, which I think Val Kilmer was also in. I read, was he really? Yeah, huh. I don't even think. I honestly, I don't think I've seen Iron Man three. Yeah, I yeah, I'm. I mean, this is an entirely different conversation. I'm not, yeah, I don't watch a ton of the the comic book movies. Not a ton. I like the Batman series. Well, yeah. the Christopher <laughs> Nolan and Tim Burton Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else uh, you want to say about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Um, I love watching it in the month of December. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah, that score has me. I love. I love the. I love. Yeah, the talk theme. about that because I didn't really. I didn't really look too yeah. much into it. I think I was focused too much on plot, but it definitely felt like it had sort of that noirish that's all yeah it was noir coming at you like non-stop uh otman uh he's john otman has done so much um i think he's kind of known for basically i think he's he's done i mean he's worked a lot with um brian singer he's worked a lot with him so he's done like the, the x-men films and he did oh god um uh, Kaiser Soze, um, usual suspects, usual suspects, which is another really great score. Uh, and that's, uh, that's this guy here. So, uh, love, I love, yeah, I love the music in this movie. Any other details you want to, um, backtrack on it? I'm all out, man. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I think, uh, I think this is one that, uh, I'll have a, Couple more beers and and and, and <laughs> chat with a chat with my friends that did like this movie. Um, I will just say once again, I will plug Michelle Mana Mana Dam <laughs> in this film. Uh, probably you know a good a good one to be watching this time of year. I think just for something kind of Christmas adjacent. Yeah, <laughs> Christmas know? adjacent. Exactly. Didn't want to go with like the ice storm. Um, or even though Ice Storm is that Thanksgiving, Krampus, Krampus, <laughs> um, or in Bruges, I didn't want anything like kind of like depressing. I wanted lighthearted, but not, but not Christmas Story or Home Alone or something like that. With, uh, although I will say the body count is so much higher in this film than even in in Bruges. It's true, it is. <laughs> but you never really feel right? bad. Exactly. For, yeah. You know? Right. It's so crazy. Yeah. It's it's very it's Shane Black. It's Lethal Weapon. You know what I mean? Like that you, even though I guess Lethal Weapon gets a little heady at or like a little deep. Um, yeah, there's a little bit more drama and like there's some yeah. impact there, some yeah. emotional impact. This kind of foregoes a yeah. lot of that. Just like, yeah. oh, zzz, yeah. I don't have time for this. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's irrelevant. <laughs> this is, and that's just it. it. It's like a lot of those film, well, the old, the old black and white like uh, classic ones. But don't listen to Cooper. This movie's awesome. Go and see it. <laughs> but all right, uh, we are going to sign off for the week, and we will be back next time. I don't know, next month or so. I'm thinking we'll take we'll go we'll delve back into the Meyer man. I'm, I'm thinking 
Tarkovsky's Stalker. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> no, which I think you should absolutely see. It. I started it the other night. Looks incredible. The look of it. So keep uh, keep an eye out for that within the next month and a half or so. And uh, we're going to sign off for the week. Bye.